0: And away we go, Hour 2 on a great day for Talk Radio. Still a sweltering Wednesday afternoon, 32 degrees, as the man said, with the Humidex. Uh, you can just kick that up a few notches. And you know, we're told... Oh, wow. There was uh, a noise. I heard a noise. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, they're <laughs> in this heat. Who likes to work outdoors? But you've got cadaver dogs now on that property in Leaside on Mallory Crescent where the remains of seven men were hidden inside garden planters. Apparently, the dogs had discovered something or at least had given note that perhaps there uh, had been some unrecovered bodies or remains uh, back in May. And this is as the thaw came in during the winter as we had been talking to the chief investigator, uh Hank Idzinga, he was saying they'd have to wait until the springtime and, you know, the thaw and the breakup and so on and so forth because uh, with the frost in it and everything, it was impregnable. And so these canine units uh, identifying things, they're at work now. They're removing the trees and the shrubs because before they can dig, they got to do that. And that's the latest. The coroner has been called in, and that suggests to me that perhaps there is something needed to be identified. On the matters of police work and uh, what the guns and gang story uh, as it reverberates over the last, I don't know, week or so, we've had 10 shootings in five days, and now one of the victims of the quadruple uh, shooting in Kensington Market on Sunday on College at Augusta has since past, We're up to 52 homicides at this point. Let's put all this stuff into perspective or some kind of context. Mike McCormick has joined us here on the Oakley Show. He's a president of the Toronto Police Association. Mike, how are you doing this afternoon?
1: John, I'm doing uh, okay. How about yourself?
0: Likewise, fine. Just out of curiosity, the coroner being called in to Mallory Crescent, does that suggest to you that remains may have been found?
1: Yeah, that's what it would suggest, but I can't really comment, but uh, that would be a clue in, in our business,
0: yeah. All right, so that would be definitive then.
1: Well, again, the coroner can be called in if remains to identify anything. So again, I don't want to speculate, John, and I'm not part of the investigation. So, but that's usually what's indicative when a coroner is called in. There's human remains.
0: All right. Uh, on this other matter, the guns and the gangs, they proliferate. 52 homicides now. You know, one of the victims has since passed earlier this, uh, I guess, this afternoon. We got word of that. 52 homicides. Uh, boy, this is only halfway into the year. When was it? In 2011? I think we had a total of 51, did we not? In the, the yeah. full year.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, in 2011, uh, that's the, we had 51. But I mean, when you look at all homicides, what's uh, particularly... Uh, Disturbing about this is the amount of shooting homicides that we've had, and and you know the homicides, John, reflect a a a glimpse of a bigger picture. What we have to look at really is the amount of shooting victims. Not you know even to mention the amount of like if you talk to anybody who lives in, in certain neighborhoods throughout the city, and they'll tell you there's gunshots going off all night, day and night in their their neighborhoods, and it's it's a huge concern. So when we look at the actual shooting victims. Uh, from 2014 on. In 2014, for instance, we had around 242 shooting victims. In 2015, that number jumped to 429. 2016, 581. 2017, 594. And we're on the way to surpass that by over 600 shooting victims uh, that we've had. So uh, it's it's pretty alarming.
0: Well, all right. But you cite 2014 as like a watershed year. Uh, what does that correspond to?
1: Well, it corresponds to uh, many things. Uh, You know, one is that uh, that's when we really started to see a decrease in uh, police personnel. Uh, We saw the end of uh, street checks, Uh, you know, and there's other factors. Like policing isn't, I'm not out there banging that drum saying we're the, you know, uh, magic panacea that's the cure-all for everything. Uh, but it's definitely one of the things that is having an impact, the lack of resources, uh, I believe, on the the uh, violent crime that we're seeing.
0: I know the last time we spoke, you told us that on any given shift, there's only about 170 police officers out on the streets of Toronto uh, in a city of three plus million. That seems almost a, a rounding error, if you will. I mean, 170. Uh, what What do you think the appropriate number would be?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, again, John, what we have to look at it and even from the preliminary, what the, those numbers are based on is what we call a minimum staffing. And that's a minimum staffing model that gets us to respond to the calls that we have. So that's based on a reactive policing model, not even having proactive component. And what we find is that when we have the proactive component, when the officers have a chance to engage, whether it's doing traffic enforcement and in general investigations, uh, you know, interfacing with the, the community or interacting with the community, that's a proactive piece, which is a huge value in policing. And that's the part that we're missing right now. And again, uh, the, the lack of proactive component I believe, is having an impact on uh, what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, but some critics would say, Mike, uh, you could change that. The collective bargaining agreement has you doubling up in patrol cars after 4 o'clock. Maybe what we're doing is uh, we're seeing redundancies or inefficiencies in the staffing.
1: Yeah, I mean we looked at that John but uh what we actually found is that it, you know we're down to minimum staffing models it's not about having two person in police vehicles when police officers are responding to violent calls uh when they're responding to you know assault calls and that's what we Primarily, do as priority one to two calls, which involve either somebody in custody, potential for violence, or, or violence. You need two officers to go anyhow. So it's really not a, an issue of having two-person police vehicles, and we can only send one police officer to do the call that two are doing. No, the reality is we're just understaffed. When we lost eight hundred police officers in a little over uh, seven years, it's it's pretty concerning in a city that's grown by three four hundred thousand people.
0: Well, let me just pick up on this point of efficiencies again. Uh, sure. If you were to audit the at-risk neighborhoods or where the crime is being committed, the violent crime primarily, because that would be the priority, uh, mm-hmm. are we allocating the resources to those areas specifically?
1: No, and again, we just we're I, we're just stretched too thin right now. And you know, with the modernization plan or transformation plan, you know, it it seemed to be a reverse engineered model where they made the cuts. And then, uh, you know, try to sort of staff down to the, uh, or, or get a business model that uh, matched to the cuts that we made in, uh, in not hiring. And we don't have the infrastructure that supports this new model. What we have is a lack of resources. And again, you know, part of the issue is to have officers embedded in the communities, which is a, a very resource-heavy uh, uh, component of policing. And we did, just don't have the, the John, we just don't have the people to do it. So what we're seeing is, is this, you know, almost Wild West mentality where all these people are carrying firearms and they're carrying them. They have no fear of getting caught, no fear of of carrying the firearms. And they're running into each other in different neighborhoods, whether it's the entertainment district, in a mall, school ground, bowling alley, wherever that is. And they're taking them out and using them. And, and you know, so it's indiscriminate. And it's happening everywhere, and we really need to do something about it.
0: All right. And so uh, if we've got limited resources to a certain extent, and before I get into it, uh, look, the sure. feds, I think, have promised uh, something like $300 million to the city to uh, deal with the guns and the gangs, if I'm not mistaken, correct me, but uh, the mayor has been bleeding about that, saying, come on, we need the money now. Uh, would you agree with that? And is the that on plan that the feds would send that money over?
1: Well, you know what, it's, 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 whether they, uh, again, um, we, whether we get the money, and so we get the money now um, to, to do this. The problem is that we, and I hate to, like, sound like a whiner, John, and I know you always criticize me for being a whiner, but, you know, we've been talking about this for over a year, saying, like the canary in the coal mine saying we have to do this to stop the bleed of uh, law enforcement officers. We've already, as I said, lost over 200 so far this year, and we're midway through the year. So how do we get the resources that we need? Even if we're getting the money, we have to, to hire, and it's going to take some time to hire. We should have been hiring all along, so we wouldn't be in this crisis. Now we're, like I just said, we're in a reactive mode in policing, now we're in a reactive mode of trying to solve this instead of just having the personnel available and being able to redeploy them as we need them like we did after the Dan Vig and Eaton Center shootings for instance.
0: All right, again with Mike McCormick, he's the head of the Police Association. And this ongoing festering issue in the city has to do with guns and gangs, the violent crime. It's claimed another life earlier today. One of the four shot in Kensington Market on Sunday has passed in hospital from the injuries. But, you know, when we talk about efficiencies, uh, because we have limited resources, I guess we'll... Agree on that point. However, if that isn't uh, some of the the isn't stanch, then uh, we have to make do with less, but be more effective. And uh, that might. And let me ask you: Do you think that means? I know carding is probably not going to fly politically. But when you talked about 2014 being a turning point or a watershed year where the crime started to spike, right? Tavis was dismantled as well. The school right. resource officers have been taken out. Is that your ideal? of proactive policing and is it to our detriment that these programs have been discontinued
1: and and yeah i I think yes and no like and and, you know so for instance i think that we need sustainable officers like you know john we've been talking for a long time i was uh, an officer in in a high-risk neighborhood for most of my career in region park uh you need officers and, and you need a commitment to be embedded in the community to be there, to gather intelligence, to forge community relationships, but it, it requires a lot of police officers to do that, to embed them in those communities, to give you that time to gather the intelligence. We were doing it through other tools like street checks, like Tavis, and when, what we heard from the communities, the communities are saying, you know, and many times, John, we've talked and I've said, okay, here's the value of street checks, here's the value of Tavis, and what we've heard is, okay, the community have said, we don't care what the police how you interpret the value of those programs, it's, uh, the erosion of police-community relationships far outweighs that. So we've been saying again to the mayor, to, to the government, give us the resources we need to replace those tools so we don't end up in this situation. But what they did is they took away all the tools, they didn't give us resources to uh, replace it, and now we find ourselves in this shape. So do I think uh, we're ever going to go back to Tavis's street checks? No, I don't. But then let's give us the resources we need to stop this Let's hear an action plan right now to stop this.
0: As an association, you think the mayor's got your back?
1: Well, right now, uh, I would say that the the situation we're in is because of the Transformation Task Force and the modernization. So our members don't feel that right now. And, you know, that's why we're hoping for some action from the mayor. We've asked for action from the mayor sit down with the mayor, the premier, and, and let's try to resolve this. Our members need to see some action. Because, John, this is like well, me as the, the president of the association. I'm hearing from our members on a daily basis. I live in the city. And when have you ever, like, sat down with your kids or your family and said, well, maybe you shouldn't go downtown tonight because it might not be safe? And, and that's what we're hearing. Now there seems to be a, a, a tide, especially after this week, when you're talking 11, 12 people shot. Like, everybody's going, this has to stop. This is ridiculous.
0: Didn't you meet with the Premier yesterday? No,
1: we, we requested a, a meeting with the Premier and uh, we sent a, a letter to request that meeting and uh, we've been told that uh, they're looking at scheduling a meeting and we're looking forward to, to see from the provincial level, you know, a lot of the Tavis funding and a lot of the spoils around funding and, and a commitment to resources. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to working with this new government uh, to deal with the issues we're having in the the City of Toronto. But we need to get some action i can't i can't state that enough our members need some to see some action the victims need to see some action and all of us in toronto need to see some action to, to, to stop this
0: well finally uh, the province under doug ford has uh, halted changes to that legislation this is bill 175 the safer ontario act uh, that the liberals passed back in march which redefined the roles of police officers and uh it was an update on the Police Services Act, the first in over 25 years. Uh, do you think they've done the right thing, Doug Ford, in saying, let's hang on here and have further consultation with the stakeholders?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, any government that's coming out, I mean, we saw seen what he's done with cap and trade, carbon taxing. These are all uh, legislative pieces, first of all, that the Liberal government was uh, pushing through. And, and you know, um, it. Any government who's coming in is going to say, "Well, hold on, let us look at this. Let's look at these practices. Make sure that's in sync with what we believe uh, politically and what's going on in our communities." And they said, "Well, hold." And you know what's really interesting about this? It's not the entire Bill One Seventy Five, but what the Liberal government did is they took out a section of it called the Ontario Special Investigation Unit Act, and they tried to push that through a day after uh, having it come into effect, a day after the new government get sworn in Mm -hmm. so it was a rush thing it was not well thought out and it was purely a political uh response we believe from an association perspective to push this through it wasn't done with the the proper uh what we would call due diligence in that and you know what we uh, applaud the government for saying okay we're going to take a look at this we're going to review it the entire act comes into uh, effect as of january 2020 but it all should be part of the omnibus bill of the Bill 175. And this is the right way to do it. And thank goodness we have somebody that's thinking with the right frame of mind for a change.
0: All right. So the association uh, likes what they're seeing early on from Doug Ford's administration. Mike, appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, try to stay cool.
1: Uh, uh, you know me, Jen. I'm always cool. Uh, okay. <laughs>
0: Mike McCormick, president of the Toronto Police Association.